Hello everyone, this is the Obstacle Races New Zealand podcast and my name is Max Bell and joining me today as always is uh, Stephen Steady. Hi, how are we all? How are you Max? How's your uh, week been so far? It's been pretty good, um, yeah, been tired, <laughs> catching up on the week, um, but it's been good. Yeah, yeah just started uh, heading to the gym, I know you mentioned that as well, that you were heading it to the gym again, but I've started um, CrossFit again, which is interesting. So went a few days ago and I'm still sore from that, but no, it's good. Well, I'm uh, sort of at the gym. We Today was the first day of uh, our, our gym, but they're doing boot camps on the Ellerslie domain because we've got to be less than 10 people and five metres apart and not allowed to use equipment and stuff like that. But it's a start. Uh, nice. Felt good to get out, get out again, and uh, not just run around the park. So. Hmm. Awesome! Yeah, sounds like good fun. Yes, yeah. And uh, I um, knocked off a couple more volcanoes over the weekend. I've set myself a goal to run all the volcanoes around Auckland for uh, the month of October. So. Um, oh well, wow. I've done that- eleven so far. So. Is that running up the volcanoes, or yeah, I don't know. I don't really know Auckland. They're not. How close are they? You're not connecting the runs together, are you? I did did one run for 22 k's on Saturday that did four volcanoes, but no, they're too far apart. And I've got to get. I don't. There's a couple I'm not going to get to. They're out on the islands, and um, to get out to the island and be able to run around and get back on a same ferry on a different on a ferry on the same day is. Uh, not good because we're still working on uh, winter times and um, COVID. <laughs> so uh, I don't think I'll – there's 52 of them all up, but I don't think I'll get all of them now because of, there's a couple of them on the other side of the – well, the border's shifted, actually, so I might get the ones down between Auckland and Waikato. But really nice. Mm. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yep. Oh, there was something to do. Considering every all all the events and everything as we're going to talk about have all been getting postponed and cancelled, and so I'm not sure there's going to be much um, on that front for uh, for myself. Any rate for this year, I think. Uh, yeah, same. Yeah. I feel the same way because my I was entered entered in two races this month. They've both been cancelled, so my running's been pretty slack. I think yeah. I went. Two runs last week, and one of them was pretty short. Uh, it's hard to find motivation, but getting back in the gym, I'm, li- I'm liking that at the moment. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yes. So uh, um, we um, interviewed Liam for this week's um, episode. Liam Wilkinson from um, Asset Fit, and uh, we had a good chat to him. Which we'll we'll get to in a little while. So. Yeah, it's a good episode actually. Uh, I just listened back to it myself, and yeah, he talks about like how we got the bug for endurance sports um, and obstacle sports in particular. But he also talks a lot about other sort of uh, races, and we talk a lot about world's toughest mudder, his experience over there, mm. and he offers a lot of OCR coaching advice that I think will be really helpful. Um, and the audio, his audio makes us sound good, I think, <laughs> makes, makes our overall podcast sound good. Like he has a really clear mic listening back to it. Uh, okay. It's something you and I need to need do, to put on our to-do list, to upgrade our microphone equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll develop. Um, I think yep. the more we go, the more we improve. Yes. And yeah. This is a good, good episode. It's yeah, really cool. I think listeners will get a lot out of listening to the interview. Hmm. Okay. Um, do you want to cover off events you know that have been cancelled or postponed or moved? Yeah, so I mentioned the two races I was entered in. Um, they've both been cancelled, which was they were the Mudder and Tough Guy and Gal Rotorua. So they, they, they were both postponed earlier, actually, and now they've both come back and saying they're both cancelled completely which is a bit of a shame um, but both cancelled due to covid which is understandable 
And also, last episode of the podcast, we interviewed Martin, the yep. organizer of the Wanaka Dash. Uh, unfortunately, he has had to cancel the Wanaka Dash. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the only one that I have. Uh, OCR race I had coming up and uh, this year, because I haven't signed up for UA yet, because I'm still worried they're going to cancel on us. But uh, they were the, it was the last one, and he's cancelled now. So mm. no events on the, the horizon, at any rate. Yeah, Ultimate Athlete's a bit tricky, isn't it? I was thinking that a few days ago myself about booking <laughs> flights and stuff, but uh, I don't know. I don't see how it's December. I don't see how Auckland can get down to level two or one by time. I'm not sure. Well, we still, what, what are we today? The 12th, and they're still saying we've got at least seven days where we currently are, so that's going to take us through pretty much before the end of October, before they even take us out of level three. Mm. And even yeah. then, if we're lucky, so. Um, under level two, it's still restricted to 100 still restricted people at gatherings. So, um, I, I, yeah, I think it'll be, what do you call it? Because when you have a look, some of the big events, like the Auckland Marathon that's been moved till next year, um, the Xterra has cancelled pretty much all of their events. Uh, the only one they've still got on is the the Waihee uh, Jewel, uh, and I think the West Coaster may still be there, but they cancelled all their Taupo races um, in the last few days. So, um, so a lot of trail running and all that's all been taken off the table as well. Yeah, tough times. Um... At least there's a new it's a new race we saw, a new obstacle course race we saw being announced, which is exciting. Um, pretty ballsy move to do it <laughs> during COVID. During yeah. COVID lockdown, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but Mud, Sweat and Tears, which is, they hold two races, one in Christchurch, one in Dunedin. <clears throat> um, but they've announced a new race called Mud, Sweat and Tears Blast. Um, it's, held, it's held at their same Christchurch venue. I don't know exactly what the details are yet, if it's going to be part of their current Christchurch event or it is going to be two separate events, two separate dates. Um, but it's a 5K using obstacles. And on the description, they describe it as an adventure race, which I'm not sure if they're using the correct terminology for that. <laughs> no. Um, but they do describe it as an adventure race. Um, and it does have obstacles in it. And it's, it's only 5K. And yep. there's not too much more information out yet. No, registrations aren't open at this point. Um, but it's very cool to see a new race being announced in these times. Yes, yes. And another race which is very exciting is Rescue Run, which is an obstacle race that was last held in 2018, I think. Um, but they recently te put out a teaser on their Facebook, on their social media. They've uploaded a new logo, which says Rescue Run. Rescue Run has, 2022. Yeah, has a new date below it. Mm. Um, so that's awesome. Yes, that would be good. Um, they're coming I didn't, back. Didn't do that one, but I went out with and seen Hayden Wells, who we've also done an interview with, which will be in the future. Um, and he had a blast. He uh, raves about it. So, yeah, um, it would be good. Looks really cool. I'd love to do it. Um, it's organised by Brand Events, and it's an emergency services themed event. I believe there's like a, I think it's a team event, and there's like challenges that are, you know, themed with the emergency services. Um, it's a big yeah. fundraising event. Looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see see what new details what on that. There. Okay. I don't know of any other events. So shall we um, have a, a bit of a look at um, results? You got the results for the OC, uh, uh, WC 100 metre. We went through the 5 and 15 last time, but did you have the results for the 100 metre one? which was still in play last time we put it up. Yeah, last time we talked, the 100 metre hadn't taken place yet. Um, but I do have the results here. So they hold an 100 metre championship as part of their event too. And for the males, first place was Joe Morawski with a time of 36.9 seconds. <clears throat> uh, second place was Vijay Jones 
for a time of 38.4 seconds. And third was Benny Gifford with 39 seconds. And then on the female side, uh, first place was Jalisi Himka in one minute point eight. Uh, second was Yaris Cruz in one fourteen point one. And third was Malia Oshner in one fourteen point four. Wow. <laughs> Point three of a second difference between first, second, and third place there. Hmm. Uh-huh. Real good. And I have the team relay results as well. If you want to mention those? Um, do you have those pulled up, or should I read those? No, out? no. I've got uh, Spartan Ultra World Championships. Okay, I can quickly go over the the team. Yep. You do the team, and I'll. Yeah, and uh, just to mention, these are the pro results, the ones I just read. Yep. Uh, for the 100 meter with a pro division and these are the team pro results uh the full results are available on the ocr world championships website um but for the team relay pro results the women start off the women's their first place was team chris plus tbd came in at a time of 102 um second place was team golden girls 103.39. Third place was Team Grip It and Rip It, 116.30. And on the men's, first place team was Team Selming USA, 52.28. Uh, second place was Team Indian Mud Run Pro Team, a time of 55.28. Third place was Team Fitzone OCR. Uh, time of 55.33. And there's a co-ed division as well. So first place co-ed team was Team Noob Sanity at 52.30. Second was Team Innovate at 54.09. And third was Team Name TBD. <laughs> Does that mean Team Name To Be Decided? To be. <laughs> they managed to come third place with a name like that. Um, so they had 57.57. Yeah, some pretty close results in some of that. Yeah. So I've got the results of the Spartan Ultra World Championships held at Toluride, Colorado over the weekend. I was just trying to find out the distance, but I can't see. Um, for the women elite, Rhea Coble did 120 kilometres. Uh, 10 laps in 23 hours, 59 minutes, and zero penalties. Alexa Rodarina did 98 kilometres, 8 laps in 21 hours, 45, no penalties. Katie Knight did um, 89 kilometres again and eight laps in 23 hours and 11, but she's got a one hour, 30 minute penalty time. So mm. Rhea absolutely ran away with that, two laps and 22 k's in front of everybody. So it must have been about 11 kilometres around. For the men, Mark Goodut did 142 kilometres, 12 laps in 24 hours and 10 minutes. Tyler Veerman, uh, 131 kilometres, 11 laps for 22 hours and 11 minutes. And Josh Furore also did 131 kilometres, uh, 11 laps in 24 hours and 20 minutes. And most of the top men and women, top 10, all did it with no penalties. <laughs> mm. that's, uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's amazing. Mm. Yeah, with these world championships taking place recently, the OCR World Championship and the Spartan Ultra, Ultra World yeah. Championship, um, I'm not sure if there's any Kiwis who were over there participating. Um, doesn't show any in the alt in the. Um, I'm only looking at the flags. They're all Americans and Canadians and one Russian in the men, and they were all. Americans and a Mexican and a Canadian in the women's uh, elite. Um, 
Uh, yeah, no, some, some of the people usually go over to the OCRWC when able to, just yeah. due to COVID restrictions. Um, looking at all participants, and I'm just looking at um, the American, there's just, they're all American flags, a couple of Canadians, a French flag there, and all the rest are Americans. There's a blue okay. and white one, but yeah, I'm not sure where that one's from. But other than that, yeah. So, yeah, it's something we need to find out if there were Kiwis this year. And we should definitely get some Kiwis on who've competed. In competed the in them, yeah. Yeah, um, so. Yes, okay. Well, that's all the results I have um, currently. Not not much else happening around the world from what I can find out. Yeah. But in other news, um, our podcast has been added to Apple Podcasts directory, which is awesome. Uh, so that's one of the big podcast directories, um, a place a lot of people find podcasts to listen to. So hopefully that way we'll uh, expand, we'll reach some new listeners and people can subscribe on iTunes and um, other places that the Apple directory reaches. Mm. Yep, so that now we must be across all all um, formats now, of um, the, the major ones, Spotify, Apple, Google. Yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, Google, yep. uh, Stitcher, um, Anchor. Mm. What else are we on? YouTube. I've been putting the podcast up on YouTube. Okay. As well. Yep. Uh, yeah, people Sounds can find us. <laughs> yes. Okay. And um, do you want to uh, talk about the podcast New Zealand Podcast Awards? Um, I hadn't heard of that until you brought it up a little while ago. So. Um, yeah, it's open now. So it's something I just stumbled across on Instagram. Uh, so they are open now for people who have nominated podcasts and they're open for listener choice voting at the moment. Um, up until the 30th of October, you can vote for the listener's choice category. And the winners of all the different categories are going to be announced November the 7th. Um, I believe this is the first year the awards are being run, and hopefully it gives us something to aspire to. Aspire to. Yes. <laughs> I don't think we could have uh, stood a chance if we nominated ourselves this first year. <laughs> uh, but now we have a whole year. <laughs> a whole year <laughs> to get ourselves our game. <laughs> Yes. So watch out. We'll be we'll be in we'll be in there next year. Figure out what category and what category so nominate us for listeners' choice as well. Yes, we'll put it on yes. our calendar. All right, shall we talk about our um, who we got on this week and then uh, cut to the um, interview? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so Liam Wilkinson, we'll interview him this week, and yeah, mentioning World Championships. Previously as well, we talk a bit to him a bit about world's toughest mudder, which is sort of the tough mudder world championship. It's interesting to hear his experience competing uh, a number of years ago in that. Yeah, um, he's a certified United Endurance sports coach also, um, which we talk a bit about his coaching. Um, he's in the process of well he has got a, a his own business um ascent fit uh but he's in the process of trying to get himself a a gym of his own he's uh, shares one from what i can gather at the moment um but does a lot of coaching and a lot of training with um like-minded people around uh, auckland um he's given us some people to talk to that uh, have uh, raced uh, international ocr events and uh and things like that awesome let's cut to it all right. I've been coaching, I guess, fitness in general for probably over, it must be over 12 years now. Um, previous to that, I was doing martial arts in a really big way for a long time. So I've been, I think I did over 16 years of martial arts stuff before stopping that um, and sort of focusing a lot more on just the endurance sports side. But um, that all came about from uh, initially doing, I guess, falling in love with martial arts initially and then spending a bit of time in the film industry and doing some qualifications in that and then um, the 
the global financial crisis hit and I thought it was just a really good opportunity to study because work was a little bit less, um, well, it was probably, it was still there, but it wasn't paid as well. So <laughs> I thought, hey, I'll do some study. And that's when um, I got into the whole uh, personal training and coaching uh, in a big way. Um, funnily enough, through high school, though, as an academic subject, I was always quite good at that in physics. So it's always been a passion, but I didn't actually think it would be a viable career until I started rethinking things sort of in my mid-20s, early, early to mid-20s. Yeah. Hmm. It's quite a hard career, isn't it? I had, um, I used to me in the background, knew some people who went on to become PTs and I don't know if any of them lasted, but from what I understand, there's quite a high churn rate, isn't there? A lot of people get into yeah. trainers and then a lot of people can't make it. I think it's like 90 to 95% of all people that study it don't don't stick around for more than a year or two. So, um, But I think you know a lot of it just comes down to when you're, when you're a coach or you're a personal trainer, most of it really comes down to why, why you want to do it. And I always wanted to do it because I'm fascinated with problem solving and mechanics and biomechanics and I just I love the idea of applying a training stimulus and seeing what happens um but I also I've always been really keen to help people like I thought maybe I'd be a teacher if I wasn't doing this so um these other people might go into it because they love training themselves um, and when you realize that you become a bit of a counselor um on the side that sort of baggage I think can really deter people and um, if it's not what their passion is you know hmm I think so yeah I think just for knowing people have gotten into it it's like a lot of people want to just get paid to work out you have to be a people person and help people and that may put them off a bit yeah. Guess, yeah if it's your passion yeah you stick around and get to work with people every day yeah and a lot of people you know the way you help them has a really big flow on effect in terms of other aspects of their life that's not just physical whether it be mental or even just creating a balance point with work and personal and you sort of become a bit of a catalyst with their training so it's pretty satisfying if you if you're searching for that um i guess that benefit of going hey i can actually help someone directly and and this is a way of doing it um so yeah no it's a it's a really fulfilling career if you uh if you know what you're getting into, it's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I need to ask you about your, I guess your experiences first and, and OCR and racing and fitness. Um, yeah. So world, world's toughest mudder. You did that. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> Talk Should about I, that. What, what year was that in? Uh, that's a good question. I think it was 2016. Um, ballpark, yeah, 2016. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll back it up a fraction and I'll just give you guys a bit of context because I probably just said a whole bunch of random stuff about martial arts and then training. But um, I, I never really had a lot of, uh, I guess, gravity, like gravitation towards athletics or anything as a kid. And part of that was because I lived out in the WAPS. So I don't think realistically it was an option for my parents to ever try and introduce that. Um, and so after doing social sports for a while at 13, I did martial arts. And that was great because you start to, I think, understand biomechanics and uh, you get proprioception of your muscles and you get flexibility and you you understand how to generate force. And that's, a, I think, a really good concept if you want to, I guess, understand your body and how to improve it. Um, and coming off the back of that, I went and did my first qualification in film, my first degree, and uh, I met a guy called Pete Strulick, who maybe will one day listen to this. He's a fireman now, um, but he's an incredibly talented athlete, and at sort of the age of 18 or 19, he introduced me, and he goes, oh, Liam, let's go do the Moro Madness. He goes, you look like you can run, <laughs> which <laughs> I don't think I really could. But I did a whole bunch of training with him and felt like rubbish, and then we went and entered, and we were the only two-person team in a relay. So... Um, I'm pretty sure the Moro Madness was organised by Lactic Turkey Events, so Sean Collin, the legend that he is, um, in the earlier days. Uh, and I think that's sort of what spawned things like the Riverhead Relapse, the Backyard Riverhead Relapse, because um, this was, a, I guess, a team relay, and it was in the Riverhead Forest. So that was a great experience. It was my first big actual event. Um, it was in a team, and I guess it was what you'd call a uh, a, a quite a big endurance event like I think I knocked up about 36 k's over 12 hours for me was broke me pretty much put me in bed for a week I'm pretty <laughs> sure I was injured for a few months after it wow. um, but that was probably where I caught the bug and after that I've just done huge amounts of exterior and a whole bunch of stuff my first tough mudder 
which was I think either Auckland or Aussie, but it was in 2013, and that's where I got the OCR bug because that was like, um, I think the versatility of what was required probably suited me. I mean, mm. uh, um, the physicality outside of just running, like the mental strength, the the conquering fear and the the skill set required from a strength and sort of agility point of view really really I guess closely aligned with the some of the thrill you get off technical trail running but included upper body as well so so yeah that was that was my that was my lead in and and, and from that I did heaps of events in Australia and New Zealand whether it be Tough Mudder um, I started doing some Spartans um, and and from that I think in 2016 I went and did World's Toughest Mudder so yeah I'll let you ask any questions you want about that <laughs> Then you went on to Hawaii too, didn't you? Didn't you go to yeah. Hawaii and did? Yes, yeah, so I did a Spartan trifecta in Hawaii, but that was pretty. Re- I mean, I don't know. It's really hard to describe the the really big endurance events are what really challenged me because I'm probably not naturally gifted enough or fast enough to be competitive in like a five kilometer distance or even a ten kilometer. So I sort of start benefiting in that fifteen kilometer plus um, format. Uh, Spartan trifecta was great it was a great experience and it was an incredible environment like uh, doing doing Hawaii at the, is it the Kulalau Ranch which is where they filmed the first Jurassic Park films um, that's that's amazing like what an incredible experience but um, World's Toughest Motor was definitely uh, like a whole different beast um, yeah, do you want me to give a rundown on what go for it yep. so so for people who haven't done or hadn't done World's Toughest Mudder, I mean, the location's changed a few times, but when we went, it was in uh, out of Las Vegas in, in the Nevada desert. And um, the thing that's amazing about this event is the sheer scale, scale of the obstacles and the scale of what's required because it's a 24-hour, uh, I guess, loop that you, you do. And in um, the desert, you know, it can get down to zero degrees or or lower at night and then it can get up to you know 40 degrees in the day so you're actually running in a wetsuit all night um and then if you want to sleep you have got a pit area uh and if you don't want to which anyone that's competitive doesn't you sort of just have a pit crew um that sort of i guess is feeding you uh some of your nutrition lap on lap uh, and Everyone's got different ideas, I guess, on what the differences are between Spartan and, and Tough Mudder as a, as a franchise or a brand. But the way I've always put it to people is they're, they're proper OCR. They've got a big running component. They're a mid to long form OCR event. But Spartan, I think, has always got a really appealing uh, sort of technical aspect. It's, uh, you need a lot of strength and skills to be able to complete some of the obstacles, whereas Tough Mudder, a lot of it, is scale and fear-based. So if you're scared of heights or if the idea of letting go of something and grabbing something else five metres above a, you know, a pond in the middle of the night where you can't see anything, like that's the sort of, I guess, the difference. And um, that's pretty much what it was like in the desert. It was pretty crazy. Everyone's just wandering around like zombies with head torches and, yeah, yeah, you're just going. (laughs) Wow. It sounds... sounds yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. World's toughest mudder, just the experiences. Um, I think some of the best stories I've heard just listening to other OCR podcasts is people talking about like their time at World's toughest mudder and yeah, just <clears throat> such a different um, animal from like what we have in New Zealand and so much other OCR events and mm. yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's it's it's. I think it's an experience. It's almost like going to a concert, right? Like you can have your favorite band, but if you go to a concert there's an atmosphere and experience you can't get anywhere else and I think something like World's Toughest Mudder in particular has that scale has that sort of presence about it um I definitely do it but I never had the desire to feel like I had to go back and do it again but that's partly because I think even though I got a little bit injured right near the end of the event you know the best I would have placed is probably like 30th which you know some people would be like that's really good but you're not there's no way I could even buy for a podium place i mean the guys like ryan atkins and all the crazies like the Lindsays and stuff that are smashing out some of those top times i mean a lot of these people are 
um, skilled to the level of, you know, they potentially could have been track and field in the Olympics or close to, and then they're crossing over into the sport where they may have even a, a bigger edge. So I think the biggest thing is your reason you go over is to experience it and just do the best you can do and just get that satisfaction of knowing that you've been in this environment that probably 90 to 5 or maybe 95% of the population just wouldn't be able to cut it at all because they they haven't put the effort in or the training, but what an experience to be able to go do and try and complete. Mm, sounds like an awesome, uh, inspiring event as well, with Tough Mudder having you know, the multiple levels. And Well, Tough Mudder's not in New Zealand anymore, unfortunately, but we Tough Mudder as a brand had the, you know, you have the, I can't remember what they are, the different distances, and it builds up, and they have their competitive yeah. events, and World's Toughest is their, I guess, their championship 24-hour event. Um, yeah. It sounds like from other people talking about it, um, I guess if you want to talk about it too, but it sounds like the community at World's Toughest is one of the the amazing things about it, just the sense of everyone helping each other. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, I think you still see it in Spartan and stuff as well, or, or other local obstacle course races, but uh, they pride themselves on it being, in a sense, a team event. So there would be very few athletes. I mean, even in the top ranks, that if someone was struggling, they probably would still give them a hand up rather than just trying to better their own position. And I think that's really nice. Um, and when you see the scale of some of the obstacles, it, 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 you can tell that a lot of people, the, the mental struggle is probably even bigger than the physical. Like like jumping off a you know 12 to 14 metre cliff uh, into a lake in the middle of the night with just one or two glow sticks down there and not being able to see anything. It's um, it's quite a weird experience to just let yourself go and sort of just go with it. Mm. Yeah. And there's people that you'd be doing maybe one or two laps and they're still standing on the platform just trying to get the courage to jump off. So, yeah. So how far is one lap? That's a really good question. It's all in miles. So I can't... Bloody Imperial units. Well, how many um, miles? And we'll quickly Google it. Uh, I have a feeling it was, uh, was it five or ten, 10 miles? I know that I ended up doing, I ended up doing, I think, 60 or 65 miles before I got injured. Um, and the guys that win do like crazy, like 125, I think, was what the year was that I was there. Uh, obviously, that each course or location change offers a little bit of a different um maybe ability or expectation of what you can achieve but yeah yeah so i think i did i pretty much did almost 100 kilometers over 24 like hours is, uh, 55 65 miles pretty close to 100 kilometers so. yeah i think i did either 98 or 102 or something and that was with the last five hours <clears throat> having fallen off an obstacle and hit the ground a little bit hard and banged my knee up so yeah and roughly how many obstacles Oh, I wish I had more information on this. I should have been more prepared for this question. Um, it's a podcast. I know, I know. I thought, the thing is, it's, the format's changed a bit. So um, they they went, I think, to, was it Pittsburgh or something straight after Vegas? And that was just so much more brutal because the temperatures were just, you know, minus 10, minus 20. It was, you had to wear a wetsuit the whole time and people were just, the completion rate in general was almost nothing. Like it was such a small amount could get through the whole time period. Um, with the obstacles, they had a lot of little ones and then a lot of big ones. Um, and I mean, each lap there would be, I'm guessing it must have been close to 20, 20 or 25 obstacles in a lap. And some of them were big. So you've got things like um, the cliff jump. You've got things like Kong uh, with the rings. You've got where you jump off a platform onto a swing bar. And then it's like a trapeze. We have to go to the other swing bar, let go. And hang on to another one and then onto a massive crash pad with water underneath you um yeah there was a there was a lot of they also i think used that event to premiere some obstacles like electroshock therapy and stuff was on that and they had um funky monkey i think that was the first year i'd done they'd done funky monkey and that was at world's toughest and that's what i fell off <laughs> but um yeah in general it's it's just it was very cool um and saying that like i I say all this, I love the experience, but I actually like Spartan events better <laughs> uh, in general. I'd never take that experience back, but um, from a pure racing sort of point of view, Spartan, I, I like a little bit more just because of the technicality of the obstacles and some of the strength and skill required. Mm. Ryan Atkins won the year you were there and he did 100 miles exactly. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, 100 miles. It might have been the year after that they ramped it up in a big way. He was in a team the year, potentially the year after as well. Yeah, uh, we won it next year as well, but it was only 95 mile that year. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes about sense. Yeah. I can't find out any obstacles. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely about scale. It's not like, I don't know if you'd even worry so much about the obstacles. You're in a haze most of the time. <laughs> Just, <laughs> and being in the desert, it's crazy because sometimes, you know, there's no lights apart from on the obstacles. So you'd be running along and then once or twice you sort of doze off a bit and you might have just run off the trail and then you're like, hang on, you could just run straight into the middle of the desert if you weren't careful. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so how, how do you find, um, I guess, like New Zealand Tough Mudder, New Zealand Spartan. You've com- you've entered Spartan and Tough Mudder overseas. How did you find the New Zealand Tough Mudder and the New Zealand Spartan compared to you know the overseas counterparts? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, that's a good question. I, I the tough- similar. It's just the same thing copied to New Zealand, or no, New Zealand a bit different. Yeah, no, New Zealand's probably what you'd call a slightly scaled down version. Um, the Tough Mudder wasn't too bad, but some of the, like, the amount of rigs in it and, like, a general um, Tough Mudder event, uh, that's one of the things they have a lot of is, you know, relatively big big rigs. Um, there's still, like, a sort of epicness that you, you have with it, and I don't think as much of that was brought over into New Zealand. There was a lot more, like, low walls they used, utilised the Hampton Downs, like the creek and stuff, which was great, but a little bit more, like, tough guy, tough, tough girl sort of... Um, I guess replicated in a sense it sort of felt a bit more like that uh, it was still a very very fun event and they still have rigs but I think probably until there's a bit more critical mass going they might not be able to you know justify the amount of building they have to do for that sort of stuff um, and Spartan honestly all the rigs and everything are probably exactly the same but just doing it at Ellerslie race course it's what I'd call a very um, tame sort of landscape to be doing some of the stuff in Aussie, uh, like Bright and everything, and some of the ones in other parts, uh, uh, they've got you know proper trails that you're potentially running, or they might have sandbag carries up massive hills, or yeah, there's there's I guess they utilise the landscape a bit more in slightly more rural areas maybe, or yeah, yeah. and and I'm used to doing like what was the super for a long time was like a 16k course i think they've sort of reset a lot of it to like a 10k course now but mm. 16 and uh, 21k and 42k they were like the ones i really loved doing which we we haven't seen yet in sparta new zealand no yeah actually, there's so much <laughs> what's that it's going to be interesting to see if we actually see another spartan for a while well we'll just have to see i guess eh? it's uncertain <clears> times Certainly is. Yeah. See, they just. I don't know, did either of you two sign up for any Australian ones? No, I'm not as I'm not <laughs> as confident as you yet. Well, no, I signed up last year, and they transferred them to this year. And I got an email on Sunday night saying Bright has now been shifted to 2022. My um, uh, tickets have been moved for me. So, yeah. I mean, the funny thing though is there's lots of great local events that have happened and still either happen or have happened over the years. I mean, we had, like, was it the, the X-Race we had for a while? And then um, Matakana's done some great ones. You had a whole bunch of little ones that sort of popped up for a year or two. Um, and I've done most of those, and they were all great. And you've obviously still got uh, the well-established, like, Tough Guy, Tough Girl, which is a bit more of a mud run than, a, than a, I guess, a full-blown ACR. But, I mean, that's still super fun to do. So there's, there's enough around. It's probably, yeah... We had this conversation, mm. me and Max, last week or the week before um, about the older ones events here, mm. and they all seem to have died off at the moment. Do you have any insights to why, or is it just were they before their time? Because they are adventure racing and outdoor pursuits in New Zealand is it's big. It's what the world yeah. thinks of New Zealand, and but ACR I- just doesn't seem to have taken off. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I don't know 100%. I think there probably needs to be a bit more publicity and, and maybe confidence with the accessibility of doing these events. I mean, like to this year doesn't, and last year doesn't really you no. know, lend toward that because you have these events that are that are having to stop because they they just can't operate or they the the 
maybe the general public don't have enough confidence that they're going to go ahead because of lockdowns and stuff. But um, I think even back then, there probably just wasn't enough interest in the sport for there to be enough entry to maybe make it viable. Because, you know, a lot of these event organisers, when you're putting rigs up um, and building stuff, not just using a landscape for, like, trail running, say, or, or adventure racing, you know, there's a lot of cost involved. So mm. I guess we just have to really build the community up and, and, and then all support each other in a sense of like, you know, knowing that there's stuff out there, but also going out of our way a little bit to to maybe participate so that we get a little bit more numbers going. Mm. It would be good to get a lot more like cross participation, you know, people uh, traveling to events and more of a community going, more of a unified activity. Something yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing is, like, overseas, when travel was possible, like, you know, a few years ago, <laughs> it sounds weird saying that, um, you know, there were lots of groups that would travel overseas, uh, and I think maybe some of these smaller events just suffer from not enough budget to market as well, because if, or, or maybe there's just not enough visibility in general, like, um, but as that sort of increases, maybe people will start to utilise what's in their backyard a bit more, and I think that will just grow the sport in general. Hmm. Did you want to talk about some of your experiences with um, like other outdoor endurance pursuits? You're doing adventure running and trail running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I, I the whole thing I love. Like, my, I guess my whole ethos is I like having like a versatile, adaptable fitness. So anything that's different or new, I'm really excited about. So, uh, and that's when I've sort of done things like some off-road multi-sports like duathlons and stuff like the Rotorua Blue Lake series or um, that's a, I mean, a beautiful place to go. Uh, there's all the exterior events. There's a multitude of running events. We did GOAT the other year, the, the GOAT adventure run, which is very, very technical alpine trail run. Um, and there's so many, it's ridiculous actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I've done some, uh, I've done like the Whakatane um, adventure race. That was pretty wild because the year we did it there was so much rainfall and so many of the i guess the access roads where you're mountain biking for part of the race and then hiking the other half they were so chewed up that people were literally cutting the mud guards off their bikes because the wheels would stop turning as they were riding down a hill because of the mud accumulation and then they're just getting thrown off them i mean <laughs> i tried to i tried to turn on a corner and i just didn't turn the bike just kept going straight and it went straight into electric fence like an obstacle race yeah yeah but i mean they're fun the thing i love about adventure racing or or um, it's probably more the the row gain aspect there's a lot of thinking involved because you have to navigate and that can be really fun because you can really stuff it up <laughs> so you can't just sort of gung-ho go as hard as you can and not think um, I think it's it's fun to have that that aspect of navigating. And um, in a country like New Zealand, where we've got so much farmland, so much bush and forestry, um, and it's all quite close, you know, it really lends to that sort of stuff. So I guess if you're uh, into road running or trail running and you are going to progress, um, that could be a nice progression because it starts to make you, you know, think about stuff a little bit more. And I guess it's just a bit of a fork from OCR in a sense because OCR, you start going into upper body, technical skill set stuff um and then i guess basic basic adventure racing goes more into navigating but then that adventure racing pulls into you know more and more disciplines having to be done all you have to do is look at god's own which i haven't done yet i will do it um you know that's you got like whitewater rafting and some of those um, event options and um like kayaking and stuff and you actually have to get certs like certifications for some of those things before you can even do the event so uh, so the skill set required is, is potentially massive and you have to navigate um, in something like God's own. So, yeah, there's some cool stuff out there. I think people just need to get out there and not be too scared about um, what they can and can't do. I mean, you obviously don't want to go in blind and be silly. And if you've never run more than 5K, go and sign up for an ultramarathon. I mean, that's a potential <laughs> recipe for disaster. But um, just getting people together and, and trying out like the base version of an event, like whether it be a small time frame, like a <clears> 1.5 hour adventure race, and or you know with an obstacle race, things like doing um, some of the local events like Tough Guy Tough Girl, that can be a really good lead into doing slightly more technical um, OCR races. Yeah, 
Yeah, so on your, on your coaching, um, is that something you're trying to do through Ascend Fit, is trying to coach people for like, these sort of events? Yeah, yeah, so Ascend <clears throat> basically, it's it's basically trying to give people really adaptable fitness with, I guess, quite a big endurance focus. So, and, and I like sort of explaining some of the definitions of these terms, because I think they get thrown around and get a little bit watered down sometimes. Like, endurance only means extended performance, so... Uh, it doesn't mean you have to be some absolute whippet marathon runner that can't do more than five press-ups. That's not what endurance athlete means. It just means whatever discipline you're choosing in terms of OCR, adventure racing or running, and then whatever, I guess, distance or time period you need to go for, it's about creating the best performance possible and extending it for that period that you have to. So I have athletes that are um, quite big units that uh, would probably like love doing like a a short form OCR um, or something that involves a bit of power but not for that long and then I've got people there maybe their upper body strength is not their strength so they'd rather go into an event where like running or sustained speed has a big benefit for them and they'd go into that so but I definitely love working with people that want to apply themselves into um, either events like that whether they be running OCR trail running or adventure racing yeah yeah, I guess getting into your, your coaching, asking you some questions about that side of things now. Um, yeah. But, you, I mean, talking about all those different aspects of, you know, power and, and, and endurance and running and so mm. how, how do you train someone for, I guess, OCR program when there's so many aspects, you know, there's you got to get good at running and technical aspects and muscular endurance and grip strength. And Does that make it hard to program? I think a little bit, but also it probably just – you know, as a coach, you just need to do a little bit more research than maybe what you see in a normal gym. So a lot of people, when it comes to, I guess, personal training and strength and conditioning, a lot of people follow a really basic bodybuilding sort of format um, or isolated training regime. So like, I guess, like just bicep curls, tricep extensions, a lot of machine work. Um, and although there's benefit to that stuff, um, it's it's usually more of a benefit with that stuff if you've got a weakness in, in one of your muscle groups that leads to some form of potential injury creeping up. It's not necessarily how you should train for performance itself. So um, I guess in answer to your question, I've done a lot of run run coach training. Like I've done a lot of like the Lydiard Arthur, Arthur Lydiard, sorry, um, courses. And I've also done a certification through the UESCA, which is um, a relatively well-rounded quite a big course on run coaching specifically and they do other stuff like triathlon coaching mountain bike coaching ultra coaching um and i think the key is if you if you're going to be in these sports where running such a big component you you probably need to really read up and learn about how to coach running properly and be really good at that because that's a very key fundamental and when it comes to the strength training you just have to really understand how to weave that in and not have those two different types of training overload your body. So, mm-hmm. so the key really comes down to you can do anything, but most people overwork an area and it leads to injury or a plateau. So how you do it really well is you lay in just enough to be getting a relatively consistent gain and then also knowing how to layer in recovery weeks before you need them or just when you need them. Yeah, I hope that sort of explains it without getting too technical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's quite quite fascinating how I guess it's a new sport, new way of training as, a, as opposed to I guess a lot of people have that that marathon sort of training mindset where they, they just train running and yeah, OCR is fascinating, yeah. bringing in multiple aspects. Um, yeah, one thing that does interest me in OCR is this idea of compromised running where you need to be able to run <laughs> yeah, when you're you've just you've just carried a sandbag and you're you fatigue your yep. muscles and you need to be able to go straight back into running again um, yeah is that yeah. something yeah how would you train to be some, able to run compromised well some of it i think comes down to when you're running um these well look i'm not saying that the way i do it's the right way or the only way but just from what i've researched and practiced and trained myself with um i generally find that when you start running it's a fine balance of how much you should run so probably only three to four times when you start a week. 
but you can build on that as you progress as a runner. So as you condition yourself, you can lay in more training sessions. It might just be smaller distances or variation of training. But some of that, um, I guess, pure recovery or running under fatigue, some of that actually just gets dealt with with layering your training um, sometimes and, and almost overloading the training frequency fractionally before doing a recovery week. Some of it comes down to with resistance training itself, when you layer that in, not necessarily going heavy, but doing a lot of high volume reps at like what you'd call, I guess, a medium load or, and that could even just be body weight, like body weight lunges. But there's lots of things I've done that have helped a lot. Like I've done in the morning, something called a 100 workout where in five minutes you have to complete as many, well, as close to a hundred reps as possible on each leg on lunges um, in a five minute period. Uh, as unbroken as you can resting if you need to when you need to and you can add load if you want to like dumbbells but then you do that in the morning and then go try and run in the afternoon even just a slow pace and oh my gosh you'll feel it but your body will really adapt to anything you throw at it as long as you don't overdo it like the stimulus has to be enough yeah and each individual I guess would have a different requirement for that and it's your your job as a coach to understand what that is and what level this person's coming in and what their strengths and weaknesses are and how to do that well Hmm. Yeah, I guess at a, a personal, for my personal benefit, <laughs> question. Yeah. Yeah, is, yeah. Uh, I, was, I was running in the last uh, Warrior race I entered. Into yes. the Warrior has some quite heavy sandbag carries. Um, I think probably the heaviest in New Zealand, actually, heavier than Ultimate Athlete or even Spartan here. Um, but there was two two sandbag carries in the last race, and they just killed me. Like I, yes. I was slowed down majorly and got past and managed to pass some people back on the running portion again um but yeah what are some tips for being able to i guess not only carry heavy loads but being able to move fast with the heavy load oh that's a good question um i mean you can do you can do a lot of interesting things so i, I think the key is just making sure your foundation is strong so having a good core um and, and being able to i guess hold that hold your center of gravity in a, in a i guess in a stable way, it'll potentially undo 50% of that extra work that it would be having to do if you were not holding strong. So every time your weight tips to one side, you have to work like three times as hard to get yourself back to center, if that makes sense. So that can be probably one of the most beneficial things. I mean, the other thing is people will mainly run in a comfort zone. And I don't mean that as in like people are lazy. I just mean that you've got your own um, I mean, people call it zones or a whole bunch of stuff. If you're in the running world, um, there's like threshold training where you're, you're, I guess, over pushing past your sustainable uh, intensity and, and you get a little bit of a lactic buildup and stuff. And, and it all, with all that sort of intensity that you throw in, you're going to get an elevated heart rate. And a lot of that discomfort for most people is that elevated heart rate that trying to get lung, uh, oxygen in your lungs to combat what your body's telling you it needs to do. And then also to move with weight. And those three things can really be quite overwhelming. Um, so from a training point of view, doing some high intensity work, whether that be hill running um, or doing a little bit of running with potentially a weighted vest on um, once every two weeks or something like that, that stuff can really help. Um, and if you combine that with a strong core and some good resistance training, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but you'll definitely see a massive, massive gain in what, what you felt. Yeah, that's definitely fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to throw one into you, Liam. Yep. How, how do you stay motivated in these times now? Like we're going to, about to go into our fifth week of lockdown here in yes. Auckland. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, it's interesting. Like I, I'm a bit of a workaholic. I mean, anyone that knows me knows that, and it's <clears throat> for good and bad. And sometimes my training personally can suffer because of. I guess my commitment to other people um, when it comes to coaching people. So I've got a rule where if something happens where I'm a bit overloaded and this applies same for a lockdown, I just remember what I have heard a number of times and even actually on um, even on the one of the Dirt Church radio podcasts where they interviewed Kurt Craywood, who's an incredibly talented running coach in New Zealand. Um, and he always said, you know, he goes, the majority of your gains you're going to get from running 
um, because it is an aerobic sport is through aerobic training and what they're basically meaning is slow as they go so lower intensity sustained running and I don't think it's that hard to motivate yourself if you don't feel like you have to hit a pace so even though I've got my, my Garmin watch um, I just put the time on it I mean I'm tracking it but I'm not looking at it and I just go out with my dog who wants to pee every five minutes and Mm. you know sniff around and I just go have fun and I just go enjoy it and there's no expectation and I know that if I'm doing that um the right amount of frequency and you know, a relatively right amount of um sort of weekly mileage uh, I'm not going to go backwards necessarily and I'm still going to be building um that aerobic base so that's I guess that's my autopilot if I'm feeling overwhelmed and I don't feel motivated I just go out and have fun with very small expectation apart from time on feet Okay. I don't know if that helps. <laughs> oh, no, it's like, yeah, it probably yeah. will. Because, I mean, the, the, yeah. the worst thing you can do is be stressed or feel demotivated and then and feel like you don't want to go because the expectation of yourself is too high in terms of what you think you need to complete. So, um, I mean, when you listen to what Kurt Craig was saying about when he used to, you know, go and train with the Kenyans and their camp and stuff or, or coach them or and all the stuff he was doing you know he said they'd, they'd do a training session 80% of their training was just slow relaxed pace and he said half the day they'd spend sleeping so I mean mm. you know when you think of athletic performance and, and how you train um, you might see the exciting explosive work or all the hill training the interval training or you know progression runs all that sort of stuff but that's probably still only 20 to 30 percent of what you should be doing otherwise you're just going to cause inflammation in your body because the intensity is so high um so yeah so do some long steady distance and you'll be good mm. um ocr in new zealand where would you like to see that go which oh that's a good question i mean i would just love uh, yeah i'd just love to i think i'd just love to see some consistent events spread throughout the year um or at least you know in, in what may be called a season so like trail running you know generally will mainly be in the in the winter months or, or spring winter autumn um, that sort of time but it would be great to see that sort of consistency with ocr and i think that all comes down to though people that are interested in ocr not just thinking they're interested in it but actually going out and doing their part and trying to be uh, make sure they're going to one or two events a year at least because that's that's like the the only way I guess event organizers are going to be able to continue trying to put these events on is by having an increased participation so we just want to go out there and support these guys not very many of them are out there making big money I don't think I think they're just doing it out of passion and that's important it's just yeah. an expensive thing to run it is. It is. Mm. all right yeah. I have one other question for you which through Max the other day too. So you can have Sorry. coffee with who whoever you could have coffee with. Who would you like to sit down and have a cup of coffee with? Uh, anyone in the world. Why? Anyone in the world or and and history. Even history. Anyone historical. Alive or dead. We're pretty good on this show. We'll bring dead people back for you. Yeah. Oh, can I say two people or it have to be one? No, we could probably let you off with two. As long as you tell us okay. why. Um, okay, yeah. I would really like to have a coffee with Bruce Lee. <laughs> um, yep. I just, although you look back on it now and you see some of the stuff he did in martial arts and, and just in general with training and, and the way he tried to reshape a very traditional sort of um, exercise format, I guess, uh, it was very groundbreaking at the time. And I would just love to understand where his sort of motivation and his thinking was coming from. I'd just be really fascinated um, because I just think he was quite a unique individual. And the other person is, um, oh, it's a hard one. I, <laughs> I would actually love to sit down with Arthur Lydiard and um, just listen to his life and, and how he came up with some of the stuff that he came up with. Because I guess at the end of the day, I'm fascinated by people that have uh, learned to teach and coach and also learned, understood um, stuff around the human body. I just find it really interesting. So, yeah, I hope that it's, I don't know if it's interesting answers, but <laughs> there's no right or wrong answer. No, no. Um, it's, it's, so yeah. You got any other questions, Max? No, I think that's it. I think we've yeah, learned a lot of 
interesting stuff about you and your experiences and some some good coaching advice that people can take away and um yeah definitely if people want to well i guess do you have any other questions that anything you want to talk about that you you want you wished we would have asked you and you want to talk about now oh i don't think so i mean i guess at the end of the day it's um it's just an area that i'm passionate about but i i just wish people would I won't say a question. I'll just give people a like leaving thought because <laughs> this kills my soul sometimes as a coach. And it's uh, you've only got one body, and you should potentially, when you're um, training, you should sort of think maybe a little bit further ahead than just the event you're doing. And sometimes, if you're feeling sick or if you need a break, don't think you're sacrificing your performance by having a break because I see so many people getting injured or overtraining or um, having a potentially harmful sort of mentality around what they're trying to do and I think at the end of the day most people want to be able to experience and enjoy life and have a longevity attached to that like I want to be like you know 70 and still be able to go and do an event um, but a lot of people are really shortchanging themselves I think with what they I guess do to their bodies and, and if that's your goal maybe just rethink about it and just love and respect your body a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yes. Yep, so, definitely. where will people find you on the, the media? Yeah. Uh, so, so, we've got uh, a SendFit. If you Google it, uh, I'm pretty sure it'll come up straight away. Uh, we've got a website which is just www.ascendfit.co.nz. I think on Instagram, we're ascendfit underscore, and on Facebook, we're ascendfitnz. So, uh, it shouldn't be too hard to find to find us. We've got a little triangle logo and um, I'm just, yeah, I'm, you're more than welcome even if you just have questions about stuff and just need a little bit of advice to flick me an email through our contact form and I'm more than happy just to get back and um, give what I can to people so that they feel confident about what they're doing. Sweet. And we'll put Thank links you. in the show notes to this episode if anyone wants to find those links and get in touch with you. Um, yeah, to the, the notes on this podcast, people can find your contact details. Yeah, well, it's been a been a pleasure being able to talk to you guys about this stuff and just have a yarn. So thank you. Thank you. Well, we'll get you back on one other time. Sounds like a plan. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs>